0: Hey, what's up, everyone? Hello and welcome to episode 54 of the Ford Progress Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Party, and today we're going to be recapping the epic week of week five action and then getting into the week six Thursday night football matchup between the Bears and the Commanders. So let's get right on into it. All right. So we had another full day of NFL action. If you're here on the West Coast, waking up at 630 AM to watch the Giants and the Packers, Giants winning 27 to 22. Um, shocking when Giants proving that 4-1 record might not be fraudulent. I was correct about them covering. I did not see them actually upsetting the Packers, though. The Giants were just amazing on offense, though, having 129 yards and three touchdowns on the ground, and then Daniel Jones going 21 for 27 with 217 yards through the air. Slayton is also stepping up with all the injury to the Giants' wideouts, getting his first catch last week, and then having six catches six catches for 79 yards this week. Really nice to see him kind of like restart his career here with the Giants. The Giants defense was also great. Uh, a lot of exotic as I saw and creating pressure and being able to really use anyone out there in the secondary and finding some success, picking up Wake Markendale as their defensive coordinator has been absolutely incredible for them. For the Packers though, they really need to figure things out offensively f- fast. The offense just has no real identity, with their passing attack being extremely limited and their ground game being good, but shut out this game. I thought the screen game was working good for them, but obviously not good enough to win. It's looking like Rodgers can't win this team and win, will this offense to be a good offense without Adams. Then we have the Steelers at the Bills, um, just a decimation, 3-38. to The Bills winning, but also covering. I thought the Steelers would at least cover. Um, Damn. Pickett, though, he looked good. Obviously, three points is not good. Um, But don't put that all on him. Outside of a few throws, he really was awesome. Um, I was really impressed with his poise under pressure, standing tall and delivering accurate strikes while the pocket was collapsing around him. His chemistry with these receivers has also come really quickly. Yeah, they were off page a few times, and... If the sidelines were like two yards wider, they would have had so many more amazing catches. But the amount of back shoulders they're even attempting, much less completing, to Pickens and Johnson is very impressive for a young quarterback. They really have something to build around here with Pickett. For the Bills, it's nice to see them bounce back offensively after a few quiet weeks. Getting Khalil Shakir involved is really exciting as he's like a weapon gadget player with a ball in his hands who can really add a new dimension to this offense. I hope that they continue to feature him even when more of these pass catchers come back for them on from injuries. And then defensively though, I am getting a bit worried about Elam, their first round pick. He had one perfectly executed cover two play where he carried underneath and broke on the ball right when it was thrown to get the pick. But the Steelers were targeting him all day, and Pickens and Johnson, for the most part, did have their way with him, um, either creating good separation or just flat out winning at the catch point. All right, moving on to the Falcons at the Buccaneers. The Bucs winning 21 to 15. So I predicted the Bucs would win, but the Falcons still cover. That's what happened. AJ Terrell gave up four catches for 64 yards or 4 catches on 6 targets for 81 yards and 1 holding penalty lined up against Mike Evans all day did Evans have some sort of monster game? no, not really but he did cause AJ Terrell some more troubles than he'd seen last year and then he sees about these more shifty receivers versus these big body guys and Evans had the game winning catch or the game ceiling catch at the end to get the first down and let the Bucks kneel it out it is something I'm noticing with Terrell that he doesn't do these big body receivers well. Like for, it's like his strength is going against the shifty guys, the guys that he can use his speed and ball instincts on. But when he goes against these big guys, he gets boxed out or, yeah, just out physical at the catch point. And then I'm still concerned about this Bucs offense. They need to be more efficient on the ground so that Brady doesn't have to throw it 50 times a game. Like, he's 45 years old. Give his arm a break. They were better this week, but they still only carried it 23 times for 69 yards. They're way too one-dimensional, and these wide receivers aren't producing as well as they could be. A lot of that probably is due to health, but this offense is just really flat right now. And then for the Falcons, they're feisty, which is just about all you can ask for this team right now. They they signaled they were in full rebuild mode when they traded Matt Ryan and took on all that dead cap. And they're showing that they're close to winning this year, but still losing and getting that better draft position, which honestly is pretty ideal when you look at it from afar. Obviously not ideal for the fans, but at least they have some good young players to build around, like Drake London emerging and then already certified stars like Grady Jarrett. All right, then we have the Dolphins at the Jets. The Jets winning 40-17, to covering and winning, just like I predicted. So the Jets' young studs all came out on Sunday. Zach Wilson, he played great. Not perfect, but he didn't really put the ball in harm's way. And he had a ton of nice throws all throughout the game, especially in the fourth quarter. And then Brees Hall had his breakout game with 197 total yards to the air and ground and a touchdown. And then these Jets' cornerbacks are just absolutely locked down. Sauce so and Reed may be the best cornerback duo in the league right now. They did have a PI each, but they had the prolific duo of Hill and Waddle, two ten catches for 70 yards, and this was going against third-string quarterback, so that 100% had to do with it. Like I feel like Hill and Waddle would have been more productive, especially because this quarterback is a rookie seventh-rounder. But based off what they've been doing all year, it's safe to say that this game wasn't just a fluke. It was just they took advantage of the good circumstance, you know? And then I think Miami, they'll be fine, especially offensively. Obviously, it wasn't the best performance by this team, but it was a 17-19 to 19 game in the fourth quarter while they were rolling out a third-string, seventh-round rookie quarterback. Thompson honestly looked really good given the circumstances, so I wouldn't be surprised if he was able to carve out a nice career as a backup. And then with Tua, hopefully they can really limit the turnovers and... Create those big chunk plays with Hill and Waddle, and just be an overall better executed offense. Open the playbook back up again. And honestly, I thought their ground game was some of the best running that they've had all year with Mostert at the helm. So then we have the Chargers at the Browns. Chargers winning 30 to 28. um, Winning straight up like I predicted, but Browns did end up covering. The Chargers' run D was very hit or miss all game. They gave up 213 yards and three touchdowns. Obviously, not good, but they really did make some key stops in short yardage situations and did just enough to win the game. They still obviously have holes to fix on that problem or on that front, but it was nice to see them step up when they really, really, really needed it. And then Bristet, he had another Bristet game where he looked pretty good throughout most of it, relying on his running backs and getting the balls into his playmakers' hands, but he made another crucial mistake at the end of the game, throwing it straight to a lurking safety. The Chargers won, but they definitely have their problems. Their D needs to be more consistent. J.C. Jackson, he just looks honestly flat out bad since joining the Chargers, whether it be from injury or new scheme. And then what the heck was that fourth down call at the end? Like, almost cost them the game. They just gave the Browns field position. Like, I don't hate the – I don't hate that they went for, like – I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence. I think I probably would have punted myself. But I'm like – Obviously, it worked out at the end. They're lucky to walk away with the win. But you're just gonna rely on your guy winning one on one. Just call up a double slant route. Like I don't know. I, I didn't love the play call. Like the decision to go for it was iffy for me, and then the play call was just man. So then we have the Bears at the Vikings. Um, Vikings winning 29 to 22. Bears just covering the two and a, or the seven and a half point spread. And just before that, the Browns just covered the two and a half point spread. I was literally half a point off on two of these spreads. So frustrating, but whatever. Um, the Bears, they really started to open up their office forehand. I loved it. Um, it wasn't a crazy game for like passing the ball for Fields. He went 15-for-21 with 208 yards and a touchdown. But this offense was just so much more effective. And what Fields can do with his legs is incredible. Extending plays he has no right to and picking up yardage when his receivers can't get open. Um, I think this... This felt like Fields' best game. Definitely his best game of his season. Um, maybe the best game of his career. Like, if they can build upon this and really just have like a freaking real offense, like I like where the Bears are. Um, getting Montgomery back was huge for the Bears, too. I definitely soured on him a bit, especially with how well Herbert had been performing. But he was incredible on Sunday, both on the ground and through the air. This was by far the best performance by the Bears offense and it really looked like a real NFL offense. I just really hope that they can build upon it going forwards. This game though was won by Jefferson and Cook for the Vikings. The Vikings turned away from Jefferson in the third quarter for whatever reason and that's when this offense really stalled but then they turned back to him on that final drive and him combined with Cook's great running all day is why they were able to hold off the Bears comeback attempt. Right, then we have the Texans at the Jaguars. The Texans winning 13-6. Um, I thought the Jaguars would win and cover the seven-point spread. Clearly not. Uh, great game for Damian Pierce. He was running like he was on fire, breaking tackles, showing off his great vision, and following his blockers perfectly through lanes. He had to do a lot of it himself with 97 of his 99 yards coming after contact. If the Texans could get some better run blocking, Pierce could be almost unstoppable. <laughs> And then this Dekuson's tech- secondary looks great too, with Stingley and Nelson shutting down the Jags receivers for the most part. Stingley also had his first pick too, albeit it was thrown like right to him. He was just kind of sitting there in the zone and Lawrence must have just not seen him, thought that the crossing or slant route, whatever was behind him, might have been an out. I don't know, some route like crossing behind him. He just must have not think been- Stingley was there. I don't know. Um and he has some really great plays as the cover two flat defender, not letting Lawrence hit the holes behind him, really good at like kind of carrying the receiver, making sure that no one was underneath him to give up there, but also making sure that the safety had time to get over and help. Speaking of Lawrence, he's gone to play better though. um but so does this offense as a whole. He had a couple of missed throws or balls coming just like a tad late that let the defenders break on it. And that pick he had was just ugly. He could have at least like ran for the first down. So it was on like second and one, but instead he just throws it straight up to Stingley. Like, I swear he just must have not seen him. But the rest of the offense really needs to help him with five total drops by the Jags, including one by Travis Etienne, who is really starting to frustrate me. <laughs> you can see all the talent with him. He's so explosive with the ball in his hands. He's probably the best player on the Jags with the rock. But he always has a few plays where you're just like, what the heck? Either fumbling or dropping or just like not reading the defense correctly, whatever. And he has to therefore split time with Robinson, who's good, but you can't tell me from watching them just like strictly with the ball in the hand that Etienne is not the better player. Robinson's just more refined, better pass blocker, knows the offense better, or knows like professional offenses better. So that's why he gets the snaps. But man, Etienne is just this raw ball of clay that He could be good. He just isn't yet, and I can't seem to figure out why. Then we have the Lions at the Patriots. The Patriots just 29 to nothing, shutting out the best offense in the league. Um, I thought the Lions would cover and end up winning this game, but nope. This Patriots offense looks better, led by Bailey Zappi. That's not to say that Bailey Zappi is better than Mac Jones, it's really more of an indictment on the coaching staff. They're giving Zappy all these easy reads um, to get through, and he's really executing it well. Obviously, he'll have his mistakes as a rookie fourth-rounder, but it's good that they have this type of quarterback, and hopefully they'll be able to use some of the stuff that they're using to help Zappi in the future to help Jones. And then defensively, the Patriots obviously were amazing. This Lions offense had been the best in the league, and Belichick and the boys were just able to shut them out. Judon had a monster game with seven pressures and two sacks, one of which was a strip, and this whole defensive line was good for the most part, facing facing a really tough Lions offensive line. Additionally, in the secondary, Jack Jones is looking like a rising star as a rookie fourth-round pick at corner. He has great zone feel, which he showed off again this week, lurking over and jumping what Goff thought was a one-on-one back shoulder and getting the pick. And then this Lions team clearly is not quite there yet. They're dealing with injuries, yes, but that doesn't mean they should have been shut out this game. Jared Goff was the same one we saw in the Super Bowl a couple years ago, and they couldn't get the ground game going this week without Swift. Plus, there was that weird decision early on in the game to go for it on 4th and seven, which resulted in a fumble 6, making the game 13 nothing, and just sucking all life out of the team. It's probably good that they're 1-4, which means that they'll be in better position to get their quarterback in the next draft, especially because they have another first-round pick from the Rams. package it together, they can easily get the first overall. But it just sucks to see that the NFL star-leading team is just doing so bad. <laughs> then we have the Titans at the Commanders. The Titans winning 21-17. to 17. I thought the Commanders were able to were, would be able to pull off the upset here, but clearly not. Um, Henry, he had another 100 yards and two touchdowns, but I still don't feel like he's fully back. Like, he's a good top 5 to 10 back right now, but he's only averaging 3.9 yards per carry on the season. And the rest of the offense isn't really helping him out much, since he's having to do most of it himself, like most of his yards coming after contact. But this still definitely isn't the same Derrick Henry as the pre-injury one. Naomi Brown, though, for the Commanders had a bit of a breakout game, catching two of his three targets for 102 yards and two touchdowns. There's a ton of talent on this offense, but really it just feels like it's being held back by Carson Wentz in this offensive line. Speaking of Wentz, though, he wasn't bad today until the boneheaded interception at the end, which just defines his career. I think he's a decent quarterback that if given good protection and a good offensive play caller, then he could be average to even above average as a quarterback. However, he doesn't get that, and when he doesn't, he folds under pressure, he feels like he has to do too much, he forces it into double coverage. But that's no reason to single him out the way Ron Rivera did, saying that he is the reason why they are behind the rest of the division. Last I checked, Rivera is a defensive-minded head coach, and this defense has been underwhelming since he's taken over. Having an overhyped front four that never reaches his potential, despite all the talent there, a former first round pick at linebacker that looks like he's playing blindfolded at at times and talented cornerbacks in Fuller and Jackson, who just forgot how to cover once they started being coached coached by him. Riverboat Rivera is sinking fast and comments like that, it just makes him go down fast from my eyes. Like that, I, I didn't like that. Then we have the Seahawks at the Saints. Um Saints winning 39 to 32. Not covering, or I thought the Seahawks would be able to cover the six-point spread once again, one point short, but the Saints did ultimately end up winning like I predicted. Um, Geno Smith, he is a good quarterback, like legit good. Those two, though, so Lockett could not have been better. And he's really putting his team in position to win games week in and week out. It's crazy how someone who had been completely written off has turned his career around like this, but I'm all for it. Like, I hope he ends a season as a top 10 quarterback. That would be amazing. And he's, I mean, he's been a top five quarterback this year based off of his play alone. Like, obviously, we have the priors to think about, but if you just drop someone in, this is the first ever NFL season they've watched. They could look at Gino and be like, oh yeah, this guy, he must be the like best quarterback in the league, right? Crazy, man. Um, I also want to shout out Tre Woolen, a rookie fifth round cornerback for the Seahawks, who had a pick in this game. He's been really good for like given the circumstances. He's 6'4, 205, runs at 426. He's new to the corner position, so he can definitely be a bit grabby at times, as we saw with the holding this game. But he has all the physical tools to be a great corner. And the mental stuff, the technique, that stuff, it's on its way. You can clearly tell uh, the way he was able to lock down Smith on the curl route and then just jumped it for the easy pick. Lastly, I think Dalton should start for, for the Saints from now on. Obviously, this game was one on the backs of Hill having 100 yards and four touchdowns, and then Kamar having almost 200 yards. <laughs> Damn. But... Dalton executes the offense well and doesn't make those backbreaking mistakes that Winston does. He's also able to get this offense going before the fourth quarter, which Winston hasn't shown to be able to do yet. I just think he's earned the right to compete for the job and hold on to it because he's doing well and he he shouldn't see the bench until he does something to warrant him seeing the bench. Then we have the Niners at the Panthers. Niners winning 37 to 15, covering and winning like I predicted. Ugly game, ugly game all around for the Panthers, who fired head coach Matt Rule and defensive coordinator Phil Snow after the game, promoting former uh, Cardinals head coach Steve Wilkes and defensive coordinator Al Holcomb to the same positions here in Charlotte. Wilkes, he was only the coach in Arizona for one season, and they ran such a terrible offense that they fired him, moved on from the quarterback they drafted 10th overall, to draft a new quarterback, albeit Kyler looks a lot better than Josh Rosen, to say the least. I don't have a lot of confidence, though, in Wilkes' second stint. It feels like they're punting on the season, especially with the firing of Snow, who I thought was fine, and then they're keeping McAdoo, who's running the first offensive in football. Like, that part's just head-scratching. Like, if you're going to clean house, clean house. Get rid of McAdoo, too. I don't see why he's still there. For the Niners... It was a good but costly win. They were supposed to get Jimmy Ward back this game, but he broke his hand on the opening kickoff and then star cornerback Emmanuel Mosley towards ACL late in the game. It looks like rookie Samuel Warmack will step up for Mosley and he had a lot of preseason hype, so hopefully he can like, build upon that and keep the other corner spot afloat. Another interesting thing though, they the Niners, they do have Jason Fred in their back pocket. Um, we'll see if... He'll be able to come back and get some playing time. Maybe they're holding him out for later in the season so that when they do inevitably just get like two or three games out of him because of his terrible injury luck, at least that will be two or three playoff games. We'll see how, if they use him at all. But something just to remember, like, oh yeah, Fred, when he's healthy, he's freaking good. Just, that's a big win. And then also, the way the Niners are able to cycle through these running backs is amazing. Devin Coleman had a big day with two touchdowns after struggling to really stay healthy for these past two years. It's really great for people to, to turn things around and hopefully he can stay healthy. <laughs> then we have the Cowboys at the Rams. Cowboys winning 22-10, covering and winning like I predicted. Um, there's this Rams offensive blind man. It's a real trouble. It's flat out costing the team games. Stafford, he keeps getting hit, and it's clearly affecting him. He's hurt. He's trying to get the ball out fast with or without pressure. Like he, he doesn't want to get hit again. And he's playing terrible while under the pressure. I don't know. And they'll get all their starters back, but even if they do get back, is that gonna solve their problems? Like they got um Brian Edwards. Yeah, the left guard, they got him back this game, and he didn't play good, like and their tackles, they're the same tackles that they've had all year and they're that they've been planning on. I don't know, if the Rams just this offensive line is falling apart clearly without Whitworth, and it's they aren't able to be the same offense that they were before. Speaking of problems though, Micah Parsons is one. He had to fight through a groin injury this game, but he still had six pressures and two sacks, being an instrumental piece on why they were able to shut down the Rams for most of the game, as well as Lawrence and Armstrong causing havoc, and then some strong performances by cornerbacks Brown and Diggs in the secondary. For the Rams though, they were able to keep C.D. Lamb in this passing attack under wraps for most of the game, which was good. With constant pressure from Aaron Donald and a really strong performance from Jalen Ramsey in the rest of their secondary. Their steps or their defensive stars really were able to step up, it's just on offense they weren't able to do anything, so it didn't really matter. The Cowboys, they were just able to do just enough to win on the offense. Then we have the Eagles at the Cardinals. The Eagles winning 20-17, winning, but the Cardinals still able to sp- cover that spread, which I got wrong. I thought the Eagles would walk away with this one. The Eagles, they had another really quiet day after a hot start offensively, and this time it almost came back to bite them. They looked great early on, going up 14 to nothing, but they couldn't really do much against the Cardinals secondary after that, which is shocking because one would think the Cardinals would have a big advantage with Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown out there. They tried calling a bunch of screens to counter how well the secondary was working, but those screens, you, you know, they can only get you so far. And then, what is it about the Cardinals and playing better from behind? This team really rallied together, went down 14 to nothing, and made this a game. Kyler, he was creating magic like always in the backfield, but it just wasn't enough. Um, Kyler missed a wide open Ertz late and then slid short of the first down markers and spiked it on third down to force a long field goal with a backup kicker they just signed. And then, also, I just want to give a quick shout out to defensive and slash interior lineman for the Cardinals, Zach Allen. He feels like he's in the midst of a breakout campaign. Just something, something to keep a small eye on. Um, maybe a future JJ Watt replacement. And then, credit has to be due to this Eagles defense. They are the reason why they won this game. They were amazing for most of it. Rassana, it what? Hassan Reddick is a true edge rusher here, and he's killing it. Not doing as much as those gimmicky rushes and just winning flat out as a pass rusher. And then Slay and Bradbury played great once again. The Eagles have shown some weaknesses throughout the first two weeks. Or the Eagles have shown some weaknesses throughout these past two weeks, but also incredible resolve to close out games that they should win. Then we have the Bengals at the Ravens. Ravens winning 19-17. I... I picked the Ravens to cover and win. Once again, another point off of the spread. It's two games I was off by a point, Two games I was off by half a point. Just, damn. <laughs> um, the Ravens defense so though, they finally played up to their personnel this game. Holding Joe Burrow to 217 yards, a touchdown and a pick. I've been talking about how they really need a reliable third corner. And it looks like Pepe Williams won that job. A fourth round pick this year out of Houston. He had a few rookie mistakes, like a drive-extending hold in the fourth quarter, but overall he played really well in coverage and had some nice tackles too. For the Ravens, offensively, they look really close to being really good. Lamar missed two touchdowns early, one to Duvernay and one to Wallace, and then also had a bad under or bad overthrow while under pressure that resulted in a pick. But he came up clutch late, using his legs to create yardage and hitting Mark Andrews on a few plays in a row. Honestly, I feel like they should just get it in the hands of Andrews more. This often seems to be most effectively ran when Andrews is the first three number one target. Although they definitely were moving the ball nicely when DuVernay was that option at the beginning of the game. The Bengals, they look like they're in trouble offensively. T. Higgins hardly played because of his ankle injury. And Jamar Chase doesn't look like the number one he was last year. Having seven catches for 50 yards on 12 targets. this ground game was just all right with Mixon averaging 5.6 yards per carry but only a long of 12. last year they had a pretty mediocre offense too when you look at it but it was supplemented by a few big plays a game which helped them put up big numbers however this year those big plays seem to be lacking and this offense looks almost unrecognizable because of it and then the last game of the week the heartbreaker Raiders at Chiefs, 29-30. Chiefs winning like I predicted. I thought they were going to blow out the Raiders, but it made it a lot closer and made me a lot sadder because of that. But for all the success the Raiders had on the ground this game, Nick Bolton had an incredible outing. He was all over the field and seemed to be the only one who could tackle Josh Jacobs. And he had some really nice plays and coverage too. Um, I'm feeling a lot better about this linebacker duo than I have in the past, they definitely need to get Gay back from his suspension, but those two could be pretty nice. And then this is what makes the Chiefs so dangerous here. They were down 17 to nothing, and they'd come back just like that. It's like they just flipped a switch. Um, once they got in the red zone, Travis Kelsey was just unguardable, and Mahomes played almost perfectly. And then for the Raiders, they just make too many mistakes to win against good teams. They're clearly a very talented team. The Jacobs, he had like 300 yards and three touchdowns these past two weeks. Adams and Carr were firing on all cylinder this game, and Crosby has been great all year. Like, deserves to be in that like All Pro mention. Like, I still think Micah and um, Boso should be the first teams. But then after that, it should be like Judon and Crosby. You know. However, they're just making frustrating errors, like blown covers, left on right by this young defense. A lot of injuries in the secondary too for them. Way too many penalties, including one on Coons, which was just something else, just look at the defense, like, come on, on a field goal, and then doing weird things, like going for two, when down one, with four minutes to go, say that they get it, the Chiefs would have been in four down territory, that whole drive, they would have been able to bleed the clock, like, you don't think Mahomes would be able to get it with that extra down, like, I know they punted, but they punted because they were in their own territory, if he had the extra down, no way Mahomes was not getting that first down, and, then it all ends with Adams being just short of a catch, like bobbling it just a tiny bit. Would have they would have been in field goal range if they, if he would have caught that, but sadly he didn't. And then Adams and Renfro running into each other on a deep bomb on fourth and one. Like hindsight says, hand the ball off. You would have gotten the first. Josh Jacobs been killing it all game, but honestly. If Adams wasn't pressed so hard off the line, then they wouldn't have ran into each other. And Adams would have been wide open. Like once he got off the press, he was beating his man. He would have been wide open. That would have been the game inning touchdown. But it didn't happen. Um, Overall on the week, I was 11 and 5, straight up, 5 and 11 against the spread, which is kind of hilarious for me like i know who's gonna win i just don't know who by by how much (laughs) Um, overall in this year 42 37 and 1 31 47 and 2 against the spread and then let's move on to the thursday night prediction so we have commanders at the bears the bears are actually one point favorites in this the bears really showed us that they have a real NFL offense last week against the vikings leading to a 22 point outing and putting them in position to tie the game late if not for the fumble. I hope they continue to really open up this offense and open up the passing attack in a game against the Commanders who's, as I've said, their secondary is not good. For Washington, I thought Wentz really had a good game overall against the Titans until the last pick. So is it gonna be possible for him to get through a whole game clean? Um, I like the piece of the Bears have on defense, but it is still young, still growing. So maybe Wentz can take a bit of advantage of that. But with both these offenses being equally bad, like I know I kind of just said both of them had a good game, but that's relative. They put up 17 and 22 points. Um, I think this game is going to really come down to the better defense, and that's got to be the Bears. Uh, Gibson, he had a really solid outing last week, and I think him and the rest of this Bears front line will be able to take advantage of a weak commander's line. Combining with Eddie Jackson, returning to his ball hawking self in the secondary, I think they're going to give Wentz some fits and end up like he's going to end up tossing it to the wrong team a couple of times. The Bears, they're going to cover and win this game. All right, so that's going to do it for today's episode. If you liked it, leave a like, comment, subscribe on YouTube. Um, If you're on Apple, leave that five-star review, Spotify, wherever else you might be listening to it. Help get the word out. And yeah, I'll see you all next time.